the Public News Service Daily Newscast, February the 2nd, 2024. I'm Mike Clifford. Tax filing season is underway, and Congress is a step closer to helping low-income families get a bigger break on their returns. Policy experts say a new expansion of the child tax credit would address poverty. We get this perspective from Wisconsin. Late this week, the U.S. House passed a bipartisan tax bill that includes a three-year expansion of the child tax credit. Analysts say it isn't as robust as the one-year expansion from 2021, but a key provision would allow families with little or no income to gain eligibility. Tim Smeeting, a retired economist with the University of Wisconsin, says it could allow struggling households to address a big expense they haven't been able to cover. You can pay heating bills that you've let go because you know that the utility won't shut you off until you get the tax refund. He says eliminating those debts frees up money for families to spend on children's needs. Unlike the previous expansion, there would not be monthly payments. It would only apply to a family's income tax refund. The compromise measure also includes business tax breaks. Despite bipartisan support in the House, the bill faces an uncertain future in the Senate with pushback from both Republicans and Democrats. I'm Mike Moen. Bill sponsors hope to get final approval so qualifying households could claim the credit on this year's taxes. President Biden Thursday signed an executive order allowing the U.S. to impose new sanctions on Israeli settlers and potentially Israeli politicians and government officials involved in violent attacks against Palestinians. That from Axios, they report the unprecedented executive order is the most significant step that any U.S. administration has ever taken in response to violence against Palestinian civilians in the West Bank. Axios adds there have been nearly 500 Israeli settler attacks against Palestinians since October the 7th. Next from our Daniel Smith, a new report sheds light on who would benefit most in Pennsylvania from raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour by the year 2026. More than 1.3 million workers would see higher paychecks, says report author Claire Kovach with the Keystone Research Center. Pennsylvania's minimum wage has been $7.25 per hour for more than a decade, and the state has lost significant buying power in that time. Kovach says the data analyzes the potential impact of a higher minimum wage based on demographics like age, race, education, gender, and industry. Women disproportionately benefit from $15 per hour minimum wage. This is because women are disproportionately working low-wage jobs, especially low-wage service jobs. Kovach says one in four workers who would see higher paychecks are in crucial sectors like education, health care, hospitality, and social work. This is Public News Service. Next, we head to Connecticut, where they are considering ending legacy admissions at all public and private colleges. That's the practice of giving preference to family members of alumni. The proposal comes after the Supreme Court's 2023 decision ending affirmative action. Yale University has seen legacy admissions decline, with legacy students making up just 11% of the class of 2027. Schools opposed to ending legacy admissions say it'll disrupt their autonomy in the admissions process and could harm fundraising efforts. Amy Dowell with Education Reform Now CT says transparency in admissions is what's needed most. You know, I think that what we need is a greater level of transparency in terms of who's considered a viable candidate at some of these colleges. Similar legislation was considered in 2022, and it was met with the same kinds of opposition the new proposal is getting. This isn't new territory, however. Colorado banned legacy admissions at its public universities in 2021. A Virginia bill similar to Colorado's recently passed that state's General Assembly and awaits the governor's signature. 
I'm Edwin J. Vieira. One study finds between 2014 and 2019, Harvard University accepted legacy students at a 33% rate. That's five times higher than its overall acceptance rate. And as people in Georgia mobilize for the 2024 general election, one group wants to make it easier for those with felony records to understand their voting rights and get them reinstated if that's needed. The campaign legal center's Restore Your Vote campaign includes an online Restore Your Vote tool. It's estimated about 275,000 Georgia residents have been disenfranchised because of felony convictions. However, Blair Bowie with the campaign legal center says voting laws are complex and different from state to state and many people don't know they could restore their voting rights. So in Georgia and North Carolina, restoration of voting rights is automatic once a person has finished probation and parole. So at that point, they can just go ahead and register to vote. Nationally, it's estimated that up to 18 million people with felony records still have the right to vote. Shantia Hudson reporting. Finally, our Suzanne Potter reminds us today is National Wear Red Day, part of American Heart Month in February. Lots of celebrities and news anchors will be wearing red, and many iconic buildings and bridges will be lit up in crimson, all part of a partnership with the American Heart Association. Heart Month events draw attention to deaths from cardiovascular disease, which have been rising since the COVID pandemic. Linda Tsai with the American Heart Association says cardiovascular disease took 900,000 American lives last year, 57,000 more than in 2021. We just did a recent survey that shows that more than half of the people in the U.S. don't know that heart disease is their number one cause of death. This is Mike Clifford, and thank you for ending your week with Public News Service. Member and listener supported. Hear us on interesting radio stations, your favorite podcast platform, and you can find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.